Thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited as we continue this series, Acts of Kindness, trying to figure out how to move from random every now and then acts of kindness into living lifestyles where we're taking this whole notion of kindness to the next level. And each week we're looking at different aspects of how kindness shows up in the world and and how God wants it to show up in your life and in my life. Super uh, excited about this week's message. Let me give a shout out to those of you who are watching in San Jose. Glad to see you. If you're first time in our campus in San Jose, welcome. Another shout out to those of you watching online from across the country and across the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You may be watching during the course of the weekend or later on during the course of the week. Whenever it is, it's a God-appointed time. And I'm just super excited that you have joined in with us. Now, can you just simply say, be intentionally generous? Yeah, that's what I want to talk about today, being intentionally generous. If you've been tracking with us over the course of the last several weeks, you know we've been looking at this fascinating story that most people know is the Good Samaritan story. Starts off with a dialogue between Jesus and a Jewish religious leader that's trying to really kind of demonstrate that Jesus is not who he said he is. And at the very heart of the dialogue is this notion uh, that uh, one acquires eternal life because that's the question, how do you do that? Well, you love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, uh, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That ultimately turns to another question, well, who's your neighbor? And Jesus tells this remarkable story that we now know as the Good Samaritan. He already talks about a man being beaten up. He talks about two leaders passing him by. And then the story kicks in here at verse 33. Now, as I go through this section of, of the passage, I want you to look for remarkable expressions of generosity because that is what God is calling us to replicate in our lives. All right, here's the text. Then a despised Samaritan, after the two Jewish leader comes and see the man lying there half dead, and they pass by, it says, then a despised Samaritan comes along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins and saying to him, take care of this man. And if his bills run over what I've already given you, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked, and the man replied, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said to him, okay, yeah, you got it. Now go and do the same. We're taking very seriously Jesus's words when he says, go and do the same, as we're attempting to practice collectively together the kind of remarkable kindness that we've seen in this, in this story. I've talked about it as courageous kindness. I've talked about it as, the, as unleashing the power of kindness. And yes, last weekend I talked about it as radical empathy, all different expressions of how kindness ought to look in your life and in my life. And if there ever was a time, my goodness, in this world that we need to be instruments of God's radical love and kindness, it is now. It is now that we need to hear and respond to Jesus' words, go and do the same. I've been super excited. Uh, you know, we put on our website a card that says, 
Random Acts of Kindness Challenge. You can still go to our website and find this. Uh, it has a variety of different uh, examples and suggestions of how you can take uh, love and kindness to the next level in your life. You can do some of these projects we suggest with your kids, etc., etc. But the goal is to move uh, living out kindness in your life to the next level. To that end, I've gotten some remarkable feedback over the last few weeks. I just want to leave, give you some example of people who are really taking this seriously, both across the bay and across the country. I've got, a, I've got an email from a couple who said, Pastor Hermans, I just want to thank you because of this uh, Be Rich to Others campaign. You know, uh, uh, they as a couple have decided to sponsor a three-year-old girl and a seven-year-old boy in Bangladesh through World Vision's uh, the quote-unquote chosen ministry, which is a major initiative of World Vision. That's a big deal. Uh, Susie and a friend of hers uh, informed me that this coming week they're going to a McDonald's. Uh, and they're going to have lunch at McDonald's and then they're going to buy a, a slew of McDonald's gift cards. They're going to pass it out to the homeless community that surrounds the McDonald's. Awesome. A woman by the name of Cindy is a part of our NBCC community who shared with me just past weekend, her and her partner going through some really difficult uh, financial times and challenges. And yet she says, you know what? Times are not so bad that they can't put a pot of soup on the stove and then take it down to the nearby uh, homeless shelter where they're serving soup every other week. They're there carrying soup and serving people and caring for people. Isn't that amazing? Can somebody shout kindness? Yes. And then, of course, Aaron, a young man, said to me that every day he wakes up now, he's looking for opportunities to release the power of kindness in the world. I think that's awesome. But as I think about examples of, of kindness, I'm, I'm thinking about, for example, this weekend is, uh, is uh, we're celebrating, as I said earlier, our veterans. And I can't think of a greater set of examples of courageous kindness, powerful kindness, radical empathy, and extraordinary, I will add to this, generosity and loyalty than we find in our veterans. Think about this now. Think about this. Our veterans, uh, they sign up to risk their lives, to sacrifice in ways that we can't even imagine, and they're going to do all of that, the same as the Samaritan in this text, for strangers. They don't know most of us that they're preparing to die for. And then think about this. Just like the stranger uh, in the text, the Jewish man and the Samaritan, they were enemies, right? Uh, if you know anything about it, they've been keeping up the series. They were enemies. They didn't like it. They hated each other. And yet this Samaritan was willing uh, to help the man that was in need. And so it is about these veterans, you know. Uh, they are ready to die and protect some of us. And if we know them personally because of issues around politics, and race, and you come up with a variety of different things, uh, they may be willing to die for folk who dislike them, disagree with them, and in some cases even hate them. And yet they say, if you're in America, I'm willing to die for you. Can somebody say, wow. Can you simply say, praise God for our veterans and for the example of their lives? My goodness. And so it is with that I want to just talk a little bit about generosity because what you see there 
is this extraordinary notion of generosity, right? And uh, this message is really about what does it look like to live lives of intentional generosity? Our veteran certainly models that. But let me give you uh, a few definitions that I found when it comes to generosity. Here's one. The act of being kind or generous. Here's another one. Liberality in giving, abundance of freedom when it comes to giving. But here's the one that really caught my mind, and I just finished describing this a few moments ago. Freedom from meanness or smallness of mind or character. That's what the veterans represent when when they're willing to go to war for folk who don't like them, disagree with them, maybe even hate them. A freedom from meanness or smallness of mind or character. That's what we see in this text when the Samaritan is willing to help uh, this Jewish man. And they don't like each other. Freedom from meanness or smallness of mind. Meanness or smallness of mind or character. You know what this definition reminds us of? And when we think about generosity, grace, forgiveness, mercy... These are all attributes of generosity. I find that to be absolutely remarkable. So let me just ask you, how intentionally generous are you when it comes to grace and mercy and forgiveness? Now, here's what we know. That people who are intentionally generous, uh, they, they, they think about generosity in three ways. One, there's a blessing that's attached to generosity. Two, they have a conviction about generosity. And four, they know the joy of being generous. Let's start with number one, the blessing of generosity. All right, here we go. When we think about the Samaritan, we see his expression of generosity as a gift that comes through multiple dimensions of his life. First of all, we don't know where he's going. We don't know why he's carrying wine and oil or whatever the case is. But we know that that whole process is disrupted and he gets off his donkey. He sees this man in trouble and he takes his oil and his wine. He takes his limited resources to care for this man. And so he utilizes his limited resources as gifts of generosity. And then... The text tells us that he takes the man and he puts him on his donkey and he transports him to the inn. So he uses his means of transportation as an expression of generosity. And then he rents a room and he cares for the man all night. I'm sure they utilize the same room, the same living space. He uses that as an expression, as a means of generosity. And then, of course, there's his time. Wherever he was going, he didn't get there on time or he didn't get there at all, right? Uh, If it was a conference, he missed the first day of it, right? If it was a wedding, come on, he missed the wedding. I'm sure. What a deal. Because he utilized his time. And then finally used his money. Two silver coins. Each coin represented a one day, a full day of wages. So a full day of wages times two. And then he established a line of credit for this guy. Again, a stranger who acts not as just a stranger, an enemy that he's caring for. Wow. He says, look, I'm going to pay, you know, for the next several days. You take care of him. If it costs more than this, when I get back, I'll take care of him. That's a line of credit. That's awesome. 
It's remarkable. As we think about it, the challenge that comes to us through this text is how many different dimensions of our lives do we use in terms of intentional generosity? Our transportation, where we live, our homes that we live in. Come on. The time that we have. You know, my wife shared with me the other day when we were talking about this message in preparation. She said, listen, when she was younger, she had lots of time, very little money, but lots of time. So she could be generous with her time. It was the money that was tight. Now, at this age and stage in her life, as a medical doctor, professional, et cetera, she has money, but she has, doesn't have a lot of time. So the challenge around generosity for her uh, is figuring out how to strategically use her time. Where's the challenge for generosity for you? Uh, what dimension of your life is you kind of withholding from being a part of intentionally being generous in the world? Listen to what Paul writes as he gets ready to leave the community that he had helped to establish in Ephesus, and he's headed toward Jerusalem where he's going to be arrested, etc. And he's, he's like, this is the last time I'm going to see you guys. And watch, watch what he says to them. Check this out. This is pretty powerful. He says uh, in Acts 20, he says, And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Isn't that amazing? Stop. What he's suggesting is that, 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 that when you see me hard at work laboring, that is a, a huge motivation for why I'm working so hard is to generate the resources so I can help those in need. You're talking about intentionally being generous. And then he finishes up by this. He says, listen, guys, remember this. Remember these words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. There's a blessing attached to giving, guys. First of all, there's a blessing that you receive in, 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 in terms of, of, of how God engages your life. And then there's a blessing that flows through you. Now, when I think about this notion about a blessing, I, I go back to this story. And, and you know, it's, it's, this is something that jumps out at me. At the time that Jesus is telling this story about the Samaritan, remember, he refers to him as the despised Samaritan. But it is because of the telling of this story that the whole way we understand, quote unquote, the Samaritan has radically shifted. So now it's no longer the story of the despised Samaritan. It is the story of the good Samaritan. And if you're called a Samaritan today, that is a good thing. And there are tons of hospitals, for example, who bear the name the Samaritan Hospital or the Good Samaritan Hospital. This notion of this remarkable act of generosity radically transforms, come on now, how the world interacts with that name Samaritan. To allow God to be radically manifest through intentional generosity in your life begins to radically, come on now, reinform how people interact with you and it radically, come on, uh, reshapes how you engage and see the world around you. There's a blessing attached to being generous. Folk who have intentional lives of generosity, they know that. And then secondly, in order to have an intentional, a life of intentional generosity, you got to have a conviction. you got to have a conviction. you got to say, look, this is just who I am. This is who I want to be. Right? I, I always like to say this. I think about meanness and smallness of mind and character. I, I, this, this is a notion I find to be true. 
If my hand is closed, if this is all about what I can get and hold on to myself, it reflects a closed heart. If my heart is closed, it, 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 it usually manifests in the fact that my, my hand is closed. Now, I've talked about how generosity ought to manifest itself across the breadth and length of our lives. So I want to spend the rest of our time in the next few minutes just talking specifically now about money. Because if there's one thing that has a hold on our lives in an extraordinary, disproportionate way, particularly in the Western world, it's money. Look what Jesus says about it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Here's what he says. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And just in case you don't know what I mean, Jesus says, well, let me just put it clear to you. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Here's here's the insight. The person who lives a life of intentional generosity The gift that God gives us as we live lives that continue to grow in intentional generosity is that God uses intentional generosity to set us free from the enslavement of the power of money. Let me give you two really good quick examples of how this looks. Uh, You may have heard the name Mackenzie Scott. She's the uh, wife of Mr. Betzel who uh, the, the owner of Amazon, they divorced a few years ago. She ended up with the interest in the stock in the company. She's now worth about $60 billion. But she has shocked and stunned the world because uh, over the last several years, she's made a commitment to give away millions of dollars. I think it's every quarter. And she's now up to having given away $8 billion at a rate that is really unprecedented. Here's a woman who gets up every day and she, you know, her foundation, her philanthropy work, you can't apply for it. There's no grant that you can, you can uh, write for it. She's got a whole team that's scouring the nation and beyond looking for, in a sense, uh, people like that Jewish man that has fallen down on the side of the road. Come on, looking for communities that have fallen down on the side of the road, looking for those who have been wounded and disempowered and left behind. And, and, and she, she finds, she's found more than 300 organizations. Some of them are universities. Some of them are interfaith organizations. Some of them are nonprofit organizations. And she's given away over eight billion dollars. She gets up every morning asking the question, how can I be intentionally generous today? How can I use money as a tool to do the work of kindness and love in the world? Well, I don't want you to get confused that you need a big bank account. You need to be a billionaire or millionaire in order to be intentionally generous. No, 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 no. See, at the end of the day, intentional generosity has less to do with the size of your bank account and more to do with the size of your heart and your vision. A vision that says, I want to be used mightily by God. I, 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 I think you guys heard a few moments ago, and for those of you who didn't see the video, let me just, just capture this very quickly. Miss Paulette Nunga, if you saw the video, you know this. She's a founding partner of NBCC, and she was sitting in, a, in, in her pews at NBCC. She actually names the year, October 27, 2019. I preached a message about the unconditional and generous love of God in Jesus Christ, and she sensed God speaking to her. And she's from Cameroon, and, 
and she's a trained lawyer, part of the, had, had a history with, as a UN international program and project specialist. And, and she, 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 she felt God was saying, look, I need you to go back and, and, and be an instrument of intentional generosity. Ten countries across the continent of Africa. And in the last three years, they've provided food distribution for more than 500,000 families. They've equipped hospitals and medical centers in villages with scanning machines and incubators, surgical equipment, crutches, protective gear for those who are working to help people with COVID and while feeding them. Remarkable. Over 10 uh, over 10 countries across the continent. They've mobilized thousands of volunteers. And she is not a billionaire. She's not a millionaire. She's not even considered to be wealthy. The people that she gathered around her, they're not wealthy, but they reached into their own resources, into their imagination, into their vision. Come on now. And they believed God, and God has used them to do marvelous and improbable things in the world. And I'm so delighted that that's one of the organizations that we're partnering with as we raise more than $100,000 to support them along with seven other organizations. But God is using to do great things. What about you? What about you? I, I challenge you to, as we work through this campaign to begin to lean in when it comes to this having a conviction the generosity is the way you want to live your life. All right. It's Pastor Andy Stanley who gives us some really good insight about how to actualize that conviction. See, you really need three things in order to actualize. I call it keys to intentional generosity. And he says the first thing that you actually need in order to actualize this, you got to design a plan. Somebody shout plan. Yeah, you need a plan to be a person who's intentionally generous. Miss Scott has a plan. Uh, uh, Paulette has a plan. They get up every day. They work their plan. What's your plan to live a life that's intentionally generous? Listen to what the writer of Proverbs 21.5 says. He says, uh, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But then I, I like what Benjamin Franklin says. By failing to plan... You are preparing to fail. And Stanley says that if you don't plan to be generous, it means probably you're not as generous as you think you are. He refers to, to, to this as the three S givers. Spontaneous, sporadic, and sparing. But if somebody pressures you, you might give. If you're particularly moved in a particular aspect, a particular area, you see something on TV, you might give then it may be a long time before you give again. Uh, many people, this is how you give. You get your paycheck, and once you get your paycheck, you spend immediately. And then if there's something left, you save it. And then whatever might be tensibility left after that, then you give. You give out of your leftovers. But a generous person, you have a giving plan. Somebody shout giving plan. And, and here's how that looks. You get your paycheck, and the first thing you do, you give. The second thing you do, you save. And the third thing you do, you spend. So you give out of the overflow. You give out of the best part. It's what the Bible calls the first fruit. This is the action of one who is intentionally generous. You don't need a lot of money to be intentionally generous. 
You know, Malachi 3.10 is uh, really the verse that me and my wife have lived by. We've been married for 36 years, and, and, uh, and, and we've lived by this passage. I, I, when I teach this, I don't teach it as legalistic. It shouldn't be taught as legalistic. It's a great principle, though. Listen to what, what the writer says. It says, bring all the tithe. Tithe reflects 10%. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. The food in the storehouse, that's what, that's what uh, you know, people harvest their crops. They brought it to the temple. Some of it was used to take care of the people who ran the temple, but most of it was used for the poor and for those who were in need. He says, if you do, so that's God's heart, right? That's God's heart. Store up the resources to provide for those in need. If you do, God, more blessed to give than to receive. If you do, says the Lord of the heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great to you, you won't have room enough to take it in. Then he says, try it. Put me to the test. My wife and I have been trying it, putting him to the test. We're beyond 10% now in terms of what we give. But from day one, <laughs> even in the days when we were doing those, uh, you know, by those Ronald Noodles, what is it, Ronald, Ronald Noodle, Noodles? That's what they're called, yeah, <laughs> for 15 cents, 35 cents, mix it together. Even then, whatever came to us, we'd make sure that we gave 10% to the work of the Lord. Why? Because from our perspective, everything belongs to God. And so what drives our generosity is that we begin by partnering with God with whatever he gives us. And he has been faithful all these many years. So first, you need a plan. That was our plan, our giving plan over the years. And it's been a tremendous blessing. Second, and the standard says, you need to decide a specific percentage in advance. You decide. You look at your giving. You can do this right now, right? You can do this after the end of this message. If you have a partner, a spouse, or whatever, you get together. If you're by yourself, you look at it and say, look, how much money am I going to make this year? Maybe look at it and figure out how much you made last year. What percentage, am I, what percentage have I given away? Charitable giving to the church? Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Whatever the case might be, I calculate it. What percentage do I want to give? And for some people, you know, you're going to start at the top. You can say, you know what? I'm going to try to see what it's like to give 10%. And for some other people, that's just too much. You say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to start at 3% or 5%, right? Listen to what 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says. He says this. You must each decide in your own Hard. You must decide you know, how much to give. You make that decision in advance. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. If you make your decision in advance, you can avoid that. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, if you pre-decide what is the percentage I'm going to give, and you give it first, then you're what uh, Andy Stanley calls a 3P giver. Priority, percentage, and progressive. If you start at three, you start at four, you start at five, you start at ten, then each year or so you move it up, you move it up, you move it up. You keep giving more. And I can just hear the, the writer of Gospel of Luke that says, Give and it shall be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Come on out, so people pour into your bosom. This is not the notion. In, in other words, don't give so you can get. 
The, the, what the text is simply saying is that, is that if you become an instrument of God's generosity into the world, that you can depend upon God to continue to resource you as you seek to be his instrument of generosity in the world. Wow. So you need a plan. Right? You need to figure out what the percentage is that you're going to give away. And then lastly, you need to designate a place or places to give. Now, when it comes to this, there's three basic questions you ought to be asking. Where do I give my money? Well, number one, what am I grateful for? Number two, what am I broken over? And number three, what has eternal value? If you think about Paulette's uh, story, she's grateful for how God has brought her up and raised her up out of Cameroon, educated her and equipped her. What breaks her heart is the challenges that young women have in Cameroon and in various countries across the continent of Africa. And so her organization has prioritized educating, elevating thousands of young women. And she remembers the challenge of walking countless miles just to get clean water. And so they are now working to to build um, electric water pumps to facilitate that for people. And an eternal value, you, you know, she does everything in the name of Jesus. That's what she does. When people think about Paulette, you know, they think about kindness. They think about generosity. They think about love. They think about Jesus. Wow. What about you? Now, let me just say a word about where you give. You know, there are are folk who said that when you think about tithing and giving, they would argue that the church, if you are Jesus' follower, is like the only place to give. Now, that is not the case. That is not the case. Listen, here's, here's the point I want to make. A lot of great places out there to give where God is at work, and they don't even wear the name Christian, right? Uh, uh, you know, Second Harvest Food Program, for example, the United Way. Come on. There are other great Christian organizations, Real Options, Salvation Army, Samaritan Purse. Purse. It goes on and on. It's wonderful organizations. There's people working to help to, to re, you know, people who are coming out of prison. Organizations help to relocate them back into in the communities. There are programs of job training and job placement, right? There are tons. There's, there's educational schools who are who are taking care of and educating under-resourced families. The list goes on and on. You, 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 there's a lot of options for you to give. But I will say this. If you are a Jesus follower, the church is not the only place to give, but it should be prioritized in your giving. You should start there. Because, right, you're thinking about what you're grateful for, and you're thinking about the, the ministry through which God is feeding you and providing you with what I call a spiritual development plan, right? You're thinking about what's breaking your heart, and you're delighted to be a part of, a, of, of, an, of an effort, come on, where, where the gospel of Jesus is proclaimed in word and deed, and you're thinking about, I want to make sure I'm investing where there is eternal value. And while God is at work in a lot of these places that I've just mentioned, and you should be supporting them, uh, but his work is branded in the church. And when NBCC gives, we give in the name of Jesus Christ. We do in the name of Jesus Christ. And the light of Christ shines in the world uniquely strong. So we encourage you to prioritize. Now, I say this every year. I have to say it again. If you're just joining us, you don't really know who we are, don't worry about giving to NBCC. I'm serious. 
Find another religious organization. Find some other organization. Figure out what your percentage of giving is. And you go ahead and do that. But six months or a year from now, if you're still with us and you, you know who we are, you're being blessed by what God is doing, and you want to be a part of the reach and breadth of what God wants to do as we extend our ministry all across the country and the world in, in, in even more concrete ways, beginning to raise up new beginning communities across the country and across the world, then listen, plug in. Make NBCC a part of your prioritized giving to be a part of what God is doing through this ministry. And so you see, there's a blessing on giving. Folk who live generous lives, they know that. They have a conviction about giving. As a matter of fact, they got a plan to do it. And number three, there's a joy about giving. They know the joy. Man, come on, guys. Listen, don't you remember some act of generosity that made a child smile or blessed the heart of a person? The joy. You know, what I think about as I close this out is that is uh, the writer of Hebrews. Here's what he says. He says, listen, fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he wasn't enjoying it in the process, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised and pushed through his shame. Why? Because he knew that, that what he was sacrificing through his death and ultimate resurrection would bring, come on now, eternal life, everlasting life and forgiveness and grace and brand new beginnings from generation to generation to generation. And that meant joy for him. Do you want to live a life that outlives you on the planet? Go back to the question the guy asked, how do I, how do I acquire eternal life? Uh, how do I have a life that keeps going? Live a life of love and kindness that is expressed through intentional generosity. And heaven will be talking about you for ages to come. Amen and amen and amen. Let me invite you to take a picture of this prayer. I call it my prayer, meaning all of our prayers for this week. I encourage you to pray this simply. Lord, transform me into one who is intentionally generous. And then take a picture of this one, if you will. It's the Be Rich Prayer Focus. Pray for the expansion of generosity to meet practical needs across the country and the world and beyond. Housing and food insecurity, financial needs. Lord willing, can't wait to serve with you and see you next weekend. Go to our website and sign up if you haven't already done so. God bless.